Hello and welcome to the fall kickoff episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. And here is the friend that I have missed the most this summer. <laughs> Hi, Michelle Wood. Hi, I've missed you. Where have you been all my life? <laughs> waiting right here for you. And obviously you've been waiting for me in a tropical island. <laughs> I know. Can you see my background? I can totally see your background. It's quite lovely. Don't like you wish... I do. You look so suntanned. It almost looks like the sun is hitting yes. your forehead, but I know that that's just a figment of my imagination. Yes. This, this background is totally artificial, but I do see palm trees swaying and some waves blowing by. So for people that are only listening on the podcast on their, what, radio, radio? SoundCloud. They're, yeah, they're fancy clouds. Yeah. <laughs> we, have, we have cool backgrounds on our Zoom call. Don't you wish that Zoom had the ability to just transport you to any location like that? Um, no, it does. You can go to the beach or see the, the what's, no, the Northern Lights, Eiffel you, Tower. Or you can become as tall as an ant in grass. <laughs> yeah, there's a grass background. <laughs> so you can be like, on oh, honey, I shrunk the kids. <laughs> you have options. There's yeah. options. But your background today makes me crave a pina colada, something fierce. Oh, yes. Yeah, I know, me too. But I've got water in my big, my big gulp here <laughs> instead. There you go. And I am drinking out of my new mug from a client, which says, my cup overflows with your blessings. I just want to give a shout out to Judy for sending me this mug. I made it my official podcast mug. Oh, well, Judy, I don't have an official podcast mug. I didn't yeah, get yeah, huh? my mail. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Judy. So well, tell me, what okay. was the highlight of your summer, girlfriend? It's been over three months since we were I'm, together on air. It's been a long time. So huh? I had multiple highlights. I, um, of course, I think last time we talked or had a podcast, we talked about our Branson trip. Me, me and you meeting. Yes, 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 yes. Right? And we did. But that was obviously a blast. That kind of kicked off my summer fun. Um, I've been to Mexico twice. I knew that you had just gotten back from Cancun. Yes. Look so hopefully people are still listening. Yes, I did travel in the pandemic did and practice all safety. <laughs> yes, yes. Good. And you socially yeah. distanced on the beaches? I did. There weren't many people there where we stayed in both places. Uh, was like 30% capacity at 30% capacity. So there weren't tons and tons of people. So I didn't have to throat punch anybody to move away from me. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't have to throat punch anybody. I would hate to yeah. have to bail you out of jail in Mexico. Yes. So, no, I did not end up in jail in Mexico. I'm glad that you have made it back safe and sound. <laughs> the topic that I was hoping to kick off this fall episode with is losing our judgment instead of losing our minds. I think a lot of people are prone to going freaking berserk when they either hear of something else happening in the world, some sort of big sex scandal, either in the church or politics or wherever. And there's been a lot of those lately. And they translate that into freaking out and going berserk in their own sex life or in their, or over okay. their partner's sex life or over their kid's sex life. So when you said lose your judgment, I thought you meant like 
go get crazy. <laughs> no. So, thank you for clarifying what you mean. Yeah. Thank you for throwing that in there because that is probably what some people thought that I meant, but it is not. Yep. It is basically getting off our high horse and not looking down our judgmental noses at people and right. assuming the worst about them and getting all self-righteous because I think that we can get really good at that when we right. hear of something happening that we don't really understand what it's about or where it's coming from. So I know that the latest big scandal that's been in the news here the past couple of weeks, people are really freaked out about it out of respect for the individuals involved. I'm not even going to mention who it is. If you don't know, just Google it. Latest sex scandal. Get your Google it, machine. It, yes. Check your own personal <laughs> Google machine. But here's what I want to say though, is that let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater and totally discount all the good that this individual has accomplished in his life and in his career. I'm not trying to defend his actions. I'm just going to say that until we have walked a mile in another person's shoes, we cannot judge what they have chosen to do. Right. I can only imagine how difficult this person's life has been at times being in the spotlight, his whole family being in the spotlight, probably ever since he was a little bitty kid. I mean, his dad was just so larger than life. And so, okay. so outspoken about all things sexual, not all things sexual, but specifically sexual immorality and homosexuality and all those things. So right. I can only imagine how that impacts a person's sexual template and sexual fantasies and all of that. And so what I wanted to do today is kind of put marriage under a microscope and put parenting under a microscope and look at how this, um, this judgment that we are kind of socially conditioned to, to embrace can really wreak havoc in our closest of relationships. It's easy for us to think, well, I'm only judgmental of that person because that's over there. That's on the other side of the fence or that's in a different circle of people. Right. But the same judgment that you judge other people with will be the same mindset that you look at your own loved ones and even yourself through. Mm -hmm. Have you given much consideration to that notion since you and I talked about it a couple weeks ago? About like personal or are we talking big picture? In general. Oh yeah. Do you think that it's, do you think that my theory is true that when we're culturally conditioned yes. to be judgmental of other mm -hmm. people's sexual missteps and misconduct, that judgment has a trickle down effect to borrow that expression. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, it, we all tend to judge if we don't understand or, or we don't um, know the, the history or the psych like psychology behind things. And, you know, I think about the position you're in and you just have such um, a compassionate spirit towards people. And uh, because you have a true understanding of, you know, why people do what they do. And so for people that don't, or they've, they've never been through their own struggles and challenges themselves, you know, it's easy for people to look look down at someone who's struggling with something sexual, like sexual sin or whatever it is. Um, 
they don't know, uh, and I've experienced it, you know, with my own family and friends in, in my personal life. So yes, I have thought about what you said and, and I totally understand it and can grasp exactly what we're talking about today. And isn't that expression true that people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw <laughs> stones? Yes. But the reality is, is that we all live in glass houses. We're all human. Any of us are capable of anything on any given day. Right. So I do want to talk today about how to become less judgmental of others so that we can mm -hmm. become less judgmental of spouses, less judgmental of our children, and less judgmental ultimately of ourselves. Because that trickle-down effect where it eventually lands mm -hmm. is on us. And right. when we're judging ourselves and our own sexual desires or fantasies or proclivities, that has a huge shame spiral effect. It does not take us to a good place at all. So I have made a list of a few um, examples that I thought would be, I thought that teaching by example would be better than just philosophizing and, and theologizing about it all. So, okay. um, but, but here's the, the one philosophy that I want to, kind of segue with, and here it is. I think that the reason that it is so easy for us, for especially those of us who were raised in religious settings, the reason it's so easy for us to revert to judgment in our heads so quickly when we hear of scandals like this is because scandal was the only time that we ever heard much of anything about sex within the mm -hmm. church. And I don't think that right. it's just of the church setting. You had mentioned the sex scandal that you remember most from your <laughs> lifetime. I know. Can I, I can say that name, right? Yeah, I, I, I like, think that, that one's famous enough. And I was going to say, I don't want to feel like I'm talking bad about somebody. But yeah, Clinton. And I mean, that was like, when was that? The 90s? I think I was in junior high or uh, middle school. And I will never forget it. Like sure. It was a huge ordeal at school. Sure. So Monica, and, Monica and Bill. Uh-huh. And we just <laughs> recently posted a TED talk given by Monica Lewinsky. I saw that. The price of shame and online mm -hmm. bullying. And wow, what, what a poster imagine. child for resiliency she has become. Right. And I'm so proud of her for bouncing back from all that. Because to think she was in her early, early twenties. Such a baby. Exactly. Fresh out mm -hmm. of college and for her to right. carry that stigma for so long. But yeah, so oftentimes the only things that we hear about sex at all is because of a scandal. And that's why we become so judgmental. First, let's talk about some clients that have come to me and these are composite cases. I've changed names. I've changed sure. details. You know, Are you about to talk about me? If, I think you're about to talk about well, me. I'm just going to say that if this, re, if this resembles anybody in particular that you know or resembles you yourself, it is strictly ironic. <laughs> it is totally coincidental. Okay. okay. So first of all, there's Lyle and Linda. They came to me. Uh, Linda was complaining that Lyle is a voyeur. Lyle was complaining that Linda is a big stick in the mud. We'll come back to them. Emily was accused of being a prude by her husband and Rhonda and Ryan called each other lazy and boring. She thought he was lazy and he thought she was boring. So can you hear the judgment in, Goodness. 
in these adjectives. Yes. Yeah. Poor people. Goodness. Well, and I don't want to judge them for judging. (laughs) (laughs) Wrongs don't make a right, but we have to start the conversation somewhere. Right. And so let's just unpack what some of these things are really all about. Because I think that when you take the time to listen to your mate's story and how they formed their sexual templates and express and impressions. It explains a whole lot about why they are the way they are in bed. Always. So so Linda and Lyle had this situation where Lyle wanted to like string up the lights and set up the camera and have Linda do all this posing. And he was the photographer. It was like role play. and, Mm -hmm. And he really needed this to kind of get himself riled up sexually. Well, Linda was okay with that once in a while, but more often than not, she really just wanted to leave the cameras and the lights in the closet and just snuggle up underneath the covers and just have what, what we call shell sex. Okay. Where she just like secluded herself in her shell with her husband. And that felt so, so sacred to her. Right. So looking at their history explained so much about why they each felt the way that they did and why it was so different. So Lyle was raised in this uber religious home that was very anti-porn, like anything Mm -hmm. and not just anti-porn. It was as soon as the, as the magazines came in the mail, the pictures got ripped out of any, of any sexy women, any, any, you know, uh, bare bellies, any cleavage, any butt shots, you know, like all that kind of stuff was so, so censored. It's taboo. So Lyle went into adulthood with this voracious appetite to just Mm -hmm. explore and look and just drink it in through his eyes. So that's what this whole setting the stage thing was all about for him. Yeah. But Linda had a very different story. Linda was actually sold into human trafficking and a part of that was taking photos of her to post online for customers to shop and so for her this represented something so totally different and she was willing to go Mm -hmm. there once in a while just for lyle's kicks but she wasn't willing to live there Mm -hmm. and so helping this couple have a better balance that maybe once a month she was willing to let him get the cameras and the lights out and go hog wild like this. Yeah. But, and that he was saying it, it, that it's okay even once a week to just turn out the lights and snuggle down under the covers, but that in between that they would just experiment with varying degrees, but no longer did they judge each other for the right. dynamics. And I think that that is what is so important. Another example is Emily, who was called a prude by her husband. And when I asked him, what do you mean by that? What does a prude look like to you? And he said, she won't even open her eyes when I'm making love to her. Mm. She had never given much thought to why she intuitively closes her eyes when she had sex. Mm -hmm. So I asked her, what does it represent to you to either close your eyes or what does it represent to you to leave your eyes open? And rewound the tape far enough into her childhood to hear that when she was between eight, nine, 10 years old, her pastor father would drive her to the church parking lot late at night and get in the back seat with her and make her watch while he, yeah, while he mastered. Mm-hmm. And if she closed her eyes, he would say, you know, God's going to get you. You have to watch. You have wow. to watch. 
So yeah. he was one of those individuals, and again, I'm not justifying anybody's bad behavior. That was obviously a horrible thing for a parent to do to a sure. child. But do you see how that translated into her marriage that she needed to close her eyes just to feel safe and to be even be able to get in the zone? Because to her, leaving her eyes open while watching, especially male body parts, was just so emotionally triggering. So she was sure. trying to honor her husband by closing her eyes to get in the Close zone. Eyes. He yeah. misinterpreted it. So you can see how it can just be so confusing and bewildering to couples when this judgment comes in. So let's talk about Rhonda and Ryan, who called each other lazy and boring. Unpacking their childhood stories, it became very obvious to me that they both felt the need to be in the submissive role. I'm sure that you've heard of BDSM. Yes. And it stands for? Back door. <laughs> no. Submissive. Bondage. <laughs> domination, sadism, and masochism. Not that, not that everyone- A lot of big words. Not that they have to all four go together, but (laughs) domination and submission will often go together. And someone who prefers to be submissive or passive or controlled will often need someone who is dominant and controlling in the bedroom. And so once we unpacked this, they realized that instead of judging each other, they were looking in the mirror. Like this- he was accusing her of the very thing that he was also guilty of. They both wanted to be controlled right. rather than be controlling. So we had to create a, a, a fair play rule of you have to take turns being the submissive. Right. Like one of you has to be the dominant because people who go through several years or decades of marriage with these kind of desires unchecked, And assuming that my spouse would never understand this, they would never participate in this. Mm -hmm. Those are the very ones that will often act out and do things that they never in a million years thought that they would do with someone else. So involve if you can. Right. And I think there's so many spouses though, that don't feel the freedom to uh, communicate, you know, Hey, I have this fantasy or, you know, I want this or I need this. Uh, you don't want to insult the other person and make them feel like they're not doing a good job or fulfilling you or whatever the case may be. But uh, just giving each other that permission slip to be open and vulnerable and and not judging them if they, they want to be controlled or, you know, whatever the case is. Yeah. But And we have to... I, huh? Sorry. I yeah. just have to rewind. So... The BDSM. Uh huh. <laughs> I've never known what it stood for. I just knew that whenever I think of that, I think We've of only done nineteen episodes and crazy. <laughs> That's what I think. I don't even know what it stood for. So you caught me like deer in headlight. Now you know. So I should have gotten my Google out and no. looked it up real quick. No, no, that sounds okay. smart. There's probably a lot of people who are in the exact same boat. I didn't know what that meant. Exactly. Okay. Now they know. So now you know. Yeah, it's actually a relatively common dynamic, especially people who were raised in really conservative homes who were told good girls don't and, you know, don't, you know, don't yeah. be a wild child and all that kind of stuff that they, they kind of need to spice it up with these kind of Let their hair down fantasies. Yep. But here's the thing that we need to remember. 
just because you have a certain fantasy does not mean you need to bring it into reality. That is where you really screw up your life and screw up your relationships and sometimes potentially screw up other people. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for example, this big scandal as of late, it involved a cuckolding fantasy. I don't know that we've ever talked about cuckolding on nope. the show, but basically cuckolding is watching another person have sex with your mate. It's very much rooted in an insecurity and a low self-esteem image of yourself. Okay. And so uh, I would die. I would freak out. There's well, some fantasies that like, I'm not judging. Um, but just for me personally, I just can't, there's some things you just can't imagine. That's on my list. Because it doesn't fit your fantasy template. It doesn't fit right. with what you've experienced in your life. But sometimes the mirror image of it actually fits what the mate has experienced in their life. And I think that's how couples become swingers or cuckolders. Yeah, or, sure. Know, that sort of thing. And again, I'm not trying to justify it because in reality, I have actually coached many a couple off that ledge. Either they're mm -hmm. thinking about going in that direction or they've been going in that direction and they yeah. realize how much further is this going to go on before we get caught or, or, you know, we get exposed or there's some sort of scandal around us, either locally or nationally or something like that. It, and it can actually be people who are in high profile positions who feel lured into these type of activities. So understanding that it is one thing to have the fantasy. The fantasy serves a purpose to trigger your brain, to get you aroused, but bringing, in, bringing it into reality is not necessary for the fantasy to serve its purpose. In fact, it robs the fantasy of a lot of its power. And so now I want to get into the fantasy fallacy concepts, and then I want to come back to the whole parenting thing and how this can spill over with our relationship with our kids. The brain is our largest sex organ. Sex starts in the brain. That's where the pituitary gland triggers the vascular system to send blood flow to the genitals to create an erection or engorgement, et cetera, et cetera. So the brain's job is actually to compartmentalize pain long enough to make room for pleasure because our brain can't possibly experience both pain and pleasure intensely at the right. same time. For example, could you have an orgasm while hitting your thumb with a hammer? No. No, it's, it. it is absolutely impossible. Kind of like sneezing with your eyes open. And so <laughs> the brain has to tell itself a story to compartmentalize the emotional pain that has been so overwhelming to you in life that if that was your focus, even subconsciously, you would never be able to have an orgasm. So the storyline has to be the mirror image of the trauma that we've experienced. If you ask people to make a list of their most unconventional fantasies, as well as a list of their greatest traumas and trials and tragedies, those two lists would be a mirror image of one another. Mm -hmm. And so when we hear of people acting out and doing crazy things sexually that we want to judge them for, before you throw that stone, just remember they had something happen somewhere in their life that created this fantasy template and no one taught them to just keep a fantasy a fantasy don't mm -hmm. bring it into reality because that is where it will bite you on the butt 
Right. And so my heart bleeds for people who are caught in this kind of scandal, caught with their pants down, so to speak, you know, right. literally and or figuratively and literally. <laughs> and so let's talk about how that bleeds over onto our children. I'm sure that when you brought Brody into the world that you looked at him and you never in a million years even remotely thought of him ever becoming a sexual being because that was just nowhere on your radar, right? Nope. <laughs> at what point does that become something that is on our radar about our children? Uh, well, for me personally, I think when he, uh, he's 12 now. So a couple years ago, when, when he starts asking questions or making comments or, or growing little know, chin these, hairs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He has a unibrow and a mustache now. And so, I mean, <laughs> you know, um, it is a topic of conversation at our home pretty consistently mm -hmm. because I know what I've struggled with and he is uh, a, a little mini me. Aww. So well, not that, that, you know, when you've struggled with things that just automatically means your kids will, but I'd rather be open and talk about, you know, keep those lines of communication open always are, with him. You are keenly aware that mm -hmm. he is a sexual being. Right. And so there's a lot of adults on the planet who totally lose sight of the fact that children are sexual beings long before they turn 21 or 18 or whatever. In mm -hmm. fact, um, once upon a time, many, many moons ago, um, there were two kids in the youth group at the church that I attended. And I want to say that they were probably 16-ish. And they wound up having sex with one another and it was totally consensual. They, they had the hots for each other for quite a while. And, you know, like some people weren't shocked that this had occurred, but the church decided that disciplinary action was called for. And they insisted that the girl step down from all leadership roles in the group because her father was a deacon and they even asked his, they even asked her dad to step down as deacon because he wasn't able to control his child. Wow. In addition to that, they banned the young man from ever coming back to church at all. Mm. And I was really struggling with this. I mean, there was a part of me that wanted to disrespect the authority and trust that maybe they knew more about this situation than I did. Sure. But you know, I felt like I knew these kids pretty well. And so I just asked my mom, I said, mom, you know, you know that I was a pretty promiscuous teenager, but yet you took me to church all those years. And I was the president of my youth group and all that jazz. And I said, if the leaders of our church had said that Shannon's not welcome to come to church at all because she's had sex, what would you have done? And she said, that would not have happened. <laughs> And I just thought, see that. yeah, I, it, how have we lost sight of the fact that teenagers will be teenagers? I, again, I'm not justifying premarital right. sex. I'm not, but to throw people out of the church or strip them of their leadership roles, like, is this what sexual rebellion is created from? You know, like I, I've always wondered, I, I haven't known. I've always wondered how did those experiences impact those two individuals? I hope it didn't scar them for life. And I hope it didn't tear them away from God for mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. 
another experience that I had with a mom who I felt like was grossly overreacting. And I'm just so glad that I had the opportunity to call her attention to that before she did damage. She asked me on our first session, she said, my college age son just got engaged to his girlfriend of two years. And I'm wondering if I have a responsibility to let her know what she's getting herself into. And I was like, whoa, that sounds like there's a story there. What's that all about me? Yeah. And so she went on to explain that right before he left for college, they were cleaning out his closet and she found a pair of women's panties and she confronted him, accusing him of, of being sexually active with his girlfriend. And he was insistent, mom, no, we're, we're not having sex. That's, that's not what this is about. And she kept pushing him and pushing him. And he finally just came out and said, they're mine. Okay. Just drop it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I asked her, I said, what did you do after that? And she said, well, I dropped it. But she said, I just wonder if I have a responsibility to let my future daughter-in-law know. And I said, what would the reason be for telling her this? Like, this is so personal. This is private. This is yeah. something that they need to work out between them. That basically, this is none your business. It falls <laughs> in the category of none. Oh, that's a hard one for moms, oh. right? <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, you know, as a mom, I, I put myself it, like, what kind of damage would that do to your relationship with your kid right. to right. risk breaking up his engagement over something that was found in your closet when yeah. you're 18 years old? Like, I don't think right. that's fair. So let's lose the judgment instead of losing our minds over things. Because the bottom line is that sex is weird people. <laughs> Sex is weird. And the, the more of a religious or righteous upbringing you had, sometimes the weirder sex gets. And that's right. why we see so many scandals within church settings. That's why it's some of the leaders at the upper echelon that mm -hmm. fall from grace. And let's just do a better job than the church did with us growing up, let's open these lines of communication. Like Michelle said, as soon as we start seeing signs that our kids need to have these conversations, in my opinion, it's like between five and eight years old when you mm -hmm. still know something because by right. the time they're between eight and 12, you don't know anything anymore. And by the time they're 13, you can kiss oh, any authority that you have. <laughs> That's a scary scary thought that's around the corner with both my boys so yeah uh, but yeah I'm with you I think that you know it's so hard when people are in a leadership position it's like you put them up on this pedestal and you have these expectations that they're different and they're leaders and they don't fall or fail or um, have issues or childhood uh trauma that they've brought into their their adulthood and um and then when they do fall flat on their face you're like why'd that happen how could they you know but they're human we all are and um and the judgment so, doesn't help anyone it doesn't help them it doesn't help you it doesn't right. help you as a couple so here's the number one piece of advice that i have for people who feel as if their mate is wanting them to do things that are in line with their fantasy template, but it's not necessarily in line with yours 
or it opens yourselves up to scandal, mm -hmm. or it involves someone else that would ultimately be harmed by such actions because like something like cuckolding, there's a third person involved. And right. that is very scarring for a person to wake up one day and realize what they let themselves get involved in. And so right. let's just use that particular example, cuckolding for you know, since that was a hot topic as of late. If your partner has a cuckolding fantasy, don't throw a stone. Again, this is most likely rooted in low self-esteem and insecurities about what type of sexual partner they themselves are. But say to them, I would never feel comfortable involving another human being in our lovemaking, whether that be in real life or porn or whatever your standards are. But if you would like to pretend that someone is watching us just to fuel your energy level, I'm okay with just pretending. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody, I'm okay, but the minute that it hurts in somebody else or me, or if I think that it ultimately hurts you, I have right. the right to say, no, we're going to have to drop back and come up with a plan B because we have to both be on board because neither partner should feel as if they're having to go totally against all of their sexual sure. standards just to, just to satisfy their mate. But that's often what happens is that they feel pressure to do what their mate wants them to do. And then they wake up and realize they have just been a sexual doormat and let their mate walk all over them. And now they have been trampled and maybe they've trampled someone else in the process. Number one rule of healthy sexuality is do no harm. Mm -hmm. Do no harm. The fantasy in and of itself never does harm. It's what you do with the fantasy. Are you going to go binging on hours and hours of porn trying to find those images? Guess what? You've just created harm. Are you going to go out and try to find somebody to bring this fantasy to life? Guess what? Now you're harming your mate and the other person. Just use the fantasy for what it's designed to do. Create the sexual energy for your mate and be satisfied with that. Be hey, satisfied. And in that scenario, you could get a blow up doll, put it in the corner. Right? That, that, <laughs> technically, that wouldn't hurt anyone. And that's something watching. Well, you know that women are going to be like, but she doesn't have cellulite ripples and stretch but her marks. Waist and her waist is perfect and her titties are perfect. Right. So it's gonna perfect. Awaken, <laughs> we're going to awaken some body image issues. So really, it's all about Can't communication. Can't win. What, <laughs> what is possible that is only between the two of you? Keep the marriage bed pure. Keep it undefiled. Do yes. not involve anyone else other than just the two of you. But within just the two of you, feel free. Fantasy, role play, uh, dress up. The camera doesn't hurt anybody as long as you delete those videos before the children pick up your phone <laughs> that before they fall get in to scarring someone years for old where they start using your phone, delete them. <laughs> hey, and the other person may find that they enjoy some things they didn't think they would. That's right? true. It, it can open you up and make you feel a little bit more edgy, make you feel like you're rebelling against the norm. And yes. sometimes let's be real, being naughty is celebrating sexually. Right. Sometimes to some people, but not all the time to all the people. That's what everybody mm -hmm. has to understand. That's why communication is so important. Talk yes. about what you want, what you feel, what you need, what it represents, and see if you can find some common ground with your mate to experience as much of that energy as possible without offending or traumatizing. There you go. You're so smart, Shannon.
I don't know about that, but <laughs> you know, I had to graduate from the school of hard knocks to learn some of this stuff, right? This is true. Yes. This is true. <laughs> but I am grateful for that diploma on my wall, graduate from the school of hard knocks. Uh, it teaches you things that you may never learn otherwise, for sure. Life, life gets easier when you have graduated mm -hmm. from that school. It really does. And <laughs> yeah. you can help others graduate from that school as well. So this has been another episode of sexual confidence on tap we're back friends we are back and we can't wait to tune in with you next week with an interview with dr michael seitzma one of my heroes in the sex education field who's going to talk to us about desire discrepancy which we kind of alluded to that a little bit here that's at the kind of what we talked about today exactly a so a great segue into that so okay. we will connect with you next time 